In 2019, I joined Pitch to Punchline, a stand-up comedy challenge for the media and marketing industry. Our mentor was the hilarious comedian Cam Knight. With some 20 years of stand-up under his belt, he has performed sellout shows across the country and received a stream of rave reviews. He also happens to be a former presentation trainer. So who better to talk to about how to engage an audience? Oprah, Steve Jobs, Andrew Denton, Arne Doe. To me, these guys are masters of communication. The rest of us, well, mainly you, because I'm a pro, fumble our way through. Comical examines this funny little thing called communication that can either tear us down or make us sore. Join me, I'm an amateur comedian and a communication expert. Join me and listen, learn and laugh through the experiences of my very talented guests. Welcome, Cam. Hello. Thank you so much for joining. No one can see your thumbs up, mate. Oh, sorry. I just <laughs> gave you a thumbs up. And it's a pleasure to be here. I mean, what else have I got going on while we're in isolation? You've got me. This is how yeah, you no, get them. I've got you cornered. No one, you're like, can you come on my podcast? And everyone's like, yes, please. I need to communicate <laughs> with people now. I don't have an audience. Help me. Please well, laugh at not- everything I say. You have had a massive audience during this time, actually. Um, you've been doing your quarantunes on Instagram. How's that been going? That's been really rewarding and quite cathartic and quite an amazing experience that I never thought that would last more than a week. And I've been doing that for two weeks now. I just jokingly asked people to send in their song requests and I was starting to play guitar and I'd do covers and then I would just, and then I just started jokingly dressing up to match each song. And then all of a sudden I'm like, oh my God, I have to do wardrobe changes. I'm doing makeup. I had to paint my face like Bowie for one song. I'm getting half naked. I'm doing all sorts of stupid stuff. And a lot of it I'm sort of tying the songs into, you know, coronavirus related stuff or being isolated. And so it turned yeah. into this sort of comedy, these comedy skits for songs. And it was making people from all over the world. I had so many people reach out to me and just like, you know, people who are in lockdown in, in New York or people who are in hospital and just like, thank you so much, you know, you know, made me laugh, that's what I needed today. And it was so weird. I just sort of built this tiny little community in the last fortnight where I was just, you know, and I never would have done music. I never would have shown people that I can play guitar and sing if it hadn't been for, for, for what's been, you know, going on now. I'm too, I was sort of a bit too shy I guess for want of a better word that's such a weird thing to say for a comedian but do you know what I mean that was my own little private thing that I played music and now I'm sort of sharing that and I feel like I've never been more connected with um my followers than I have um since doing this so it's been kind of a weird um blessing in disguise you know what I mean it's a weird way to experience this situation but it has been Quite lovely. It's been arduous. Jesus Christ. Like yeah, I know. Off, we're talking You've done so many. Did it. I was like working harder than I work normally. I, was, I did it <laughs> for 10 hours yesterday for zero friggin' dollars. Am I allowed to swear on this? It would have yeah, been yeah. better if I just said zero, zero fucking dollars. But I, um, Sounds better I just, when you swear. Yeah, thanks. Okay, cool. <laughs> friggin'. But you friggin'. haven't been... You haven't been taking these songs lightly. Like you're putting in a lot of work and a lot of preparation to get them right. Yeah, it takes a long time. I want to get it right. I try and match whatever the people are wearing in the film clip or I do some sort of pastiche to it or I'll do some sort of an homage to what's happening in the film clip or whoever the musician is. Or And then, you know, if, you know, if it's like a, 
if it's a Neil Diamond song or, you know, where they're saying something like hands, touching hands, you know, I'm like, no touching. And I get the, you know, get the Glen 20 out and spray it or something like that. I try and relate it back to, you know, you know, social distancing or what's happening now. And, um, and that seems to be giving people a bit of a laugh. But, yeah, I'm t- trying to put out slick songs on Insta stories, but then like once a week just drop the bloopers so they can see just how much it takes and how much I fail and how much I fucking obviously hate myself because I just call myself an asshole and a fucking dickhead <laughs> repeatedly. I'm basically like my own Hollywood mum, just <laughs> whipping boy to myself. <laughs> Get it right, you fucking dickhead. <laughs> anyway. It's funny. How do you how do you normally yeah. prepare for? I mean, you're obviously somebody who likes to prepare, and you you take your craft very seriously. How do you normally prepare for for going out on stage? Well, it's funny. I never used to. I didn't think. I didn't think that I was that prepared. I used to just drink and have fun, and it was a bit more rock and roll. I didn't think I had a problem with drinking, right? And I went to the AA website, had a look. They've got a little test on there. Did the test? Fucking smashed it. Uh, I've got a, <laughs> got an A plus or an AAA plus and uh, I've never had an A plus in anything so I had a couple of beers to celebrate and uh... I think now it's just a little bit different it kind of it's 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 hard to say now because it's kind of a bit like I can get on autopilot a bit Mm. easier yeah I'm just sort of accustomed to it used to it love it can just step up and go and do it um it's kind of like second nature now it just depends on the gig if it's a tv gig then it's like okay i need to get this right i need to get the wording absolutely perfect because i only get one shot at this um and i only get a limited amount of time to get you know i might have a seven minute spot or a 10 minute spot that they're filming or whatever um so you kind of want to go over your notes on that and go over your scripting and and sort of word that out rehearse that out to yourself before you get there but then also just try not I just try not to get in my head about it you know like I know I I know the gear I know it I wrote it so it's basically I've just got to get that first gag out and then if it gets that first laugh then boom like it's sort of okay now I get I'm in this now you know um but any other sort of gigs now it's just kind of like you just get up and off you go do you remember you know, a time when there's it was no like real, that? Oh, yeah, like half of my career, like totally. It was Tell us about relying that time. on ad- adrenaline, drugs and alcohol just to fucking <laughs> spur you on, you know. <laughs> and you'd just, like a, and just a like, note to all my business listeners, please do not take drugs or drink alcohol before doing your corporate presentations. Although yeah, it could be yeah, more sure. interesting if they did. Well, yeah, they'll get way off topic, but anyway, <laughs> there'll be a lot of lot of people going. Can we just circle back to? Can we just circle back? That's, there'll be a lot of circling back in those fucking meetings and going around around in circles. <laughs> um, yeah, it was more. You know, when you're starting out, you just like. I guess you took a lot more risks just trying out new material all the time in every any any place you went. And so you might just come up with some half-baked idea that day and then get up and do it at a club where you probably shouldn't. Like you, that's where you've got to kind of, you, you, they, they ask you to just bring your gold along, but you'll happily just burn that just to do new gear because you're on a rush and then that's a bit of a dog's breakfast. But, um, yeah, it's, 
the now with the prepping or if I'm just doing a gig, gig, I don't really think about it. I don't write out a set list or anything anymore. I just sort of let it happen naturally. Like I go out and just start basically and I know there's stuff in the bank. I know there's stuff in my mind. Um, and if I start doing any crowd work and they start talking to me and then I can just sort of go, all right, and then if they've said something that triggers something that I might have material about, then I go on that way. And that's, I'm like, okay, well, this is the way, this is the way the gig's going to go now. And that's kind of more enjoyable for me too, mm. you know, because then it doesn't feel like it's always a constant um, script. Like I'm not sitting on the same script, the same order, the same every night. It's kind of, yeah. um, I can sort of chop and change while I'm going, you know, and they still get those bits, but yeah. they're in a different in a different sort of way and that keeps things interesting for me. Really. Now, you, you used to be a presentation trainer. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, I did it for about three or four years, I think. Um, Who I did you train? My wife. Heaps of people, like banking firms and investment companies and uh, tax firms and Foxtel was one of my main clients um, as well. Like. Um, so loads, loads of different um, companies, uh, and it was corporate corporate presentation skills. It was a, it was a basic uh, presence, presentation skills program, uh, and I facilitated the day. It was just a day. They were always just a day long, yeah. basically, um, and they would bring a prepared presentation or whatever, um, and we would work on that throughout the course of the day. And a lot of that stuff that. I was doing that I was training people in I took on board um, uh, personally as well just in the way I sort of structure my writing it really changed the way I wrote shows it changed the way I engaged with the audience when I was on stage um, and and also when I was doing pitch to punchline when I trained you in pitch mm-hmm. to punchline um, there was a bunch of stuff that um, that I that, that I'd had used from those presentation skills programs. I didn't like completely, you know, steal the bloody, um, <laughs> the, 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 am I allowed to say this? But no, it wasn't like I went, oh, that was good. It was just like this same sort of fundamental principles that I gained and that I taught. Um, I also passed on to you guys as well, you know, uh, because they're really handy. They're really handy tools. So it was a good, it was a good thing to do. It was weird when I first started. I felt like a massive fraud because I was going into all these huge banking firms and stuff and all these cashed up fucking people. Yeah. And I'm like, what the fuck? Is, hey, you guys, what do you want to hear from? I talk about my dick for a living and here I am telling you how to fucking do a presentation. <laughs> what the hell is going on? I should be fucking as rich as you are, you assholes. Um, that shat me. But, um, <clears throat> yeah, it was funny. It was weird doing it. I did it. Because I was I was employed by Foxtel for five years, you know, hosting a bunch of shows. That's where yeah. I sort of cut my teeth in comedy and presenting and TV. And then it was sort of weird and ironic to end up back at Foxtel teaching them all how to be better presenters. Which is funny because I learned how to be a presenter at Foxtel. It all come full circle. Yeah, yeah. What yeah. were some things that you used to teach that you adopted yourself that people might find? useful um more well just sort of structure like the way you sort of structure a show like I sort of took a lot of that um the structuring of your presentation 
um, with the start and the middle and the end and not going too far off topic or just sort of um, how to do a stronger opening to explain if there's a premise to it or if there's a theme or something, you know, explaining the reasoning and, and that sort of stuff. And um, so the structuring of, definitely the structuring of shows, I got far more from uh, the presentation skills program. Uh, a lot of the other stuff, you know, the, um, uh, I guess a lot of the other stuff that I was teaching, it was weird because I, I was teaching it. I didn't think that I, it was weird when I first started, I didn't think that I, I understood it. And uh, my boss was just like, you, you're, it's weird because you have all of these things, the way yeah. that you present it sort of second nature to you now. Yeah. But these people don't understand that. Because they're like, it's like you just said then, oh, how do you prepare? And I'm like, I don't know, I just fucking get up there, mm, you know. Yeah. But then You've there's like, the well, how do you do it. that? Yeah. Well, yeah, I guess so. It's just sort of strange. It's sort of in me now because I've been doing it for like 20 years. I don't really think about it. I don't think yeah. about that theor theoretical side of it anymore. And so yeah. th that was kind of, oh, that was kind of a key learning for me where I just went, oh, okay, right, this is how you word what it is that I do or what it is that I know or and that yeah. was kind of affirming as well in that sense you know you're a natural storyteller Cam and that's the style of comedy that you do so well as well yeah I mean I like that sort of comedy that was the sort of comedy that I always gravitated towards as well yeah you know? like I liked that like Richard Pryor to me was just a god the way he sort of told stories and brought life to things and I just thought he was incredible yeah I still think he's incredible and I just always thought well, I want to write like that I guess, you know, and so there's stories in there, but they're just funny and peppered with all these weird jokes and bits of, I like surreal stuff as well. I like bringing life to things that aren't real and doing act outs and, and that's what, you know, Richard does as well. But I mean, I studied acting, so I guess that was sort of that outlet too, like to do mm. those outlet, you know, the, the act outs or whatever, that was kind of, it all sort of just came together like, yeah, in a weird way. Yeah, well, you're also very good at the physical side of comedy too. And I find that um, yeah. in presentations, some people feel really um, limited or they feel really tight and uncomfortable with the idea of movement when yeah. they're presenting. Yeah, and I feel uncomfortable. I don't like being still. Yeah. You know, yeah. like, and some of my mates, I've got mates who are comedians who don't want to move at all behind the mic stand. They just stand mm. there and they just deliver it, you know, take this, where I'm like, I gotta move, man. Like if I'm on a big stage, I gotta take it. I gotta fill it, and it feels weird to be limited. But I feel limited too. If I do corporates and I have to wear a suit, even in the suit, I'm just like, oh, this feels like a, this feels like a prison. Right. <laughs> do you just strip like, on stage and make it part of your show? Just, <laughs> I just do the set with one testicle hanging out. Yeah, it's great. It's the only way to do it, mate. That's why I always get them to pay me before I do the gig. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a good idea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you need, I mean, you are somebody who, and I guess this is reflected in your, in your movement on stage, you're just a massive ball of energy and your energy fills the room. So it's one thing, you're very funny, but you just bring a, a joy and a mood to the room as well. Now, how well, do you I, do I that when that. you, hey? Well, firstly, thank you. Um, but also, secondly, I don't, well, I just kind of want to turn it into, I just, 
It's hard to say. Like I've, I can be totally drained and exhausted from a full day with the kids and then be like, oh, God. And then as soon as I get on stage, it just goes boom and it's all gone. And then but I feed off can, audiences. How I do feed you off do their that? energy. Well, it's kind of like I try and get, if I can get the audience in a state where they're feeling completely energised and enthused and happy and it's all happening, then I get that energy back and then I can give that back to them in spades as well. So it's this sort of weird symbiotic relationship where I kind of need to be energised by their energy if that's such, if that's a, it's a real wanky thing to say. But I also <laughs> like just creating a vibe. Like I like yeah. creating it. You know, I like creating a memorable vibe where you come out and it's like, boom, it's like I want you to be sort of hit in the face with it and just go, what the fuck, this is crazy. It's fun and silly and I feel good. You know, I want to. I like creating joy. I don't want to get up and just, you know, talk about sad stuff or be an asshole or, you know, I fuck around. I mean, I rib people like pretty mm. harsh too, but then it's always... Always, it's like that's. I guess the country boy in me is like just a bit of ribbing, and then it's like, no, nah, you're right, mate. And then we're <laughs> fine, you know. I never, I never, you know, take it too far or anything like that. But I like to sort of, I have to sort of really power up if I'm tired and get and get get it going, and then I try a lot harder to get them going. And once they're going, then I'm like, okay, cool, I feel good now, and I forget about it all, and it feels fine. So let's talk about. Yeah, cool. You went and did um, a tour with the army, right? Did you go visit some yes. of our troops somewhere really out there? Yes, I did. Went to the UAE and I secretly went to another country that I'm apparently not to say that I went to, but it starts with I. Um, and we uh, <laughs> Googled them. And think of two. Yeah, we were over there for two weeks. Yeah, we were in there for two weeks performing yeah. for the Aussie troops and the Kiwis and a bunch of other different nations and it was um, hands down one of the most rewarding experiences of my life actually. Uh, yeah, we got to do all the training, we got to shoot guns. If you got an abdominal wound, I'd be able to, if you got, a, if you got amputated in the leg, I could give you a stump dressing. I no could way. fix you. Yeah, yeah, we've learnt all of that. It's been pretty cool. And we did some great gigs. We were over there with four comedians and two bands and it was just excellent. So really good company and really interesting experience and the gigs were great and yeah it was very cool when you write does does content come to you anytime anywhere or do you find you need to kind of prepare the set the scene get your head in the right place before you sit down to start actually writing some material depends what it is it depends what i want to do um, there's a lot of time. My notes in my phone are just full of half-baked ideas, basically. And then it, yeah. when I get a bit of time, if I want to, I go, okay, I better compile some of this and see if there's anything in it. Yeah. Um, when we went over for the troops, when we were doing this stuff with the troops, like all of us were writing on the fly, like from our experiences day to day, because they were so di so different and varied, and and also because it was just completely. You know, we were out of our league, essentially. We were in a completely different world. So we were doing all these activities and whatnot and then we'd do gigs at night. So we wanted to, we were all of us trying to write, you know, like four to five minutes of gear per day just to get some gags out, you know, about that experience, about the people we've met, the things that we've done, and that, that worked better in our favour. We were sort of 
um, so it was suggested to us that we did that as well. Mm-hmm. And that was that was really exciting to just go, well, shit, I'm doing new new material in a bunch in front of people. Everyone's fucking armed as well, by the way. So <laughs> if this goes poorly, I'm dead. Um, so there was that, you know, that, that happening as well, which is cool. But most of the time, most of the time, it's just um, if I'm writing a new hour, it's just me sort of. I just spend the, the year once the once you know the festival season's over. Um, in that time, I probably would have just been writing half ideas down, blah, 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 blah. And then by the end of that year, I'll sit down and 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 take a, you know, a good couple of months to sort of piece it all together and see what I've got. And then I'll start trialling it out, going out to, to open mics and stuff like that, just seeing what works and what doesn't. Same as anyone. Such a luxury for a comment. I know I hate open mics. I find them so rough a lot of, a lot of the time. Um, but they it's kind suck. of a... They yeah, big time. But, but it's also you gotta a blessing. Do it. You've got to do it. If I you're... made you guys. I made you guys. I told you. I said to you, like, because we put on an open mic for you. But I said you got to go and die. Yeah. Oh yeah. And boy, did I die. Eddie Murphy. Who likes Eddie Murphy here? Yeah. On the best, right? Chris Rock. Freaking love Chris Rock. So I binge watched, and a week later, and about five wines in. I find myself on stage for the very first time. It was fucking terrifying. But 30 seconds in, I actually had people laughing. They were pissing themselves and I'm like, fuck Cam Knight, I'm going to teach comedy myself. (laughs) And then at that very moment, that was when the alcohol bit me in my unshaven ass. (laughs) I just lost myself, completely lost myself. I became like a cheap white Chris Rock impersonator. Chrissy Pebble. And I started doing things like my eyes were bulging as I was talking to the audience and I was screaming at them and I was saying shit like, get that bitch out before I get it out my goddamn motherfucking self. And I was, I was just trying to tell the story about when I gave birth to my daughter. <laughs> and you had to. I said, you've got to go out and find those rooms and you need to bomb hard and know what that feels like because then it'll make the opera house feel like heaven. And it'll also make you work out how to trim the fat and work on your gear instead of just thinking, oh, I'm so funny because everyone in the room laughed and everyone in that controlled open mic environment that half the people that were there knew me laughed because they were there to support. I needed you to die, but we all need to die. Um, And then you, you know, rebuild and rewrite and come out stronger and better. It's, man, it sucks. It's awful. It's awful. It's an awful feeling, but you have to do it. I still do it. Shit doesn't work, you know. Oh. I'm like, okay. I laugh now, though. I laugh if it doesn't work. It makes me laugh when it when it bombs because I'm like, okay, cool. I won't do that again. <laughs> do you know the, Do you know what it taught me from a presentation point of view, right? Because what I find in um, corporate presentation scenarios is that your marketing team develops your content. You get the deck. You run it through a couple of times with the marketing manager. They say yay or nay or what have you, right? And they give you a little bit of feedback. Yeah. And you might test it in front of the management team at best, right? Usually you wouldn't even do that. And then you actually get on stage and you give this presentation. And what I learned through the the open mic 
um, process is just how important it is to test your presentation in front of different people if you can. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Because it's, what, it's not about different... what you want to say, it's about what the audience wants to hear from you and what they're going to respond to. Yeah, and that sort of teaches you about, again, what works when and what works where. You know, you could just, or, you know, if something's happened in the news and then you get up and talk about something very similar and that's affected a lot of people, you just come off completely tone deaf. Mm. You know, you've got to sort of be keyed in. And, again, like certain, you know, this that's, again, like if I'm doing a gig where I do material where I know it's worked countless times previously and it doesn't work that night, I'm like, well, oh, that's not me. But I'll get you with something else. You know, it's not yep. that joke. That's fine. It's just this is a different crowd and they like different stuff. So then you've got to work that out for yourself. But, yeah, Um and it's also like just doing those open mics and then doing, I mean, being on stage is your rehearsal. You, there's only so many times you can keep saying it to yourself in your bedroom or your lounge room or pacing around outside. You mm. need to know what, how that works properly in front of an audience to ascertain what words work and what, how the sentence works and and also timing, like it's and pace and all of those things that are really fundamental to joke telling. Um, you know, you're not going to get without an audience, so you have to keep doing gigs and those bits to get those bits better and better and better and better and better and, better and honed and tightened and you know until it's a real good little nugget. That's that's you know, so many people are like, oh, you don't do. So, you know, it's like, oh, when I, when I see you guys do performances, I just figure it's just new material or something. It's like, well, sometimes it is. Half of it might be. But then there's a lot of stuff where it's not and it's just killer because I'm still doing it. But there's sometimes as well like these old bits where I might have had a four-minute bit and then I'll bring, I'll dust that off and go, well, let's see what I can do with this again. And then all of a sudden after doing it for a few months, it's turned into an eight-minute bit because mm. I've been doing it again. I'm sitting in it. I'm adding tags and yeah. it's extended. There's a new act out in it or something. You've gotten this because I've rehearsed it. I'm rehearsing it on stage in front of an audience. I'm taking some risks by improvising some stuff within that set and that's grown into now and flourished into a bigger bit and that's you don't get that at home as much, you know. Yeah. There's heaps of people who just like stick to it verbatim every time where I'm like, I'm always looking to see where else I can go with a bit. If it's an old bit or if it's even anything, I'm always like, where else can I go? What am I going to do with this, you know? What happens, with you, we touched on dying at open mic nights, but what happens if you die or you stuff up during an actual performance in front of hundreds or thousands of people? Has that happened to you? Have you forgotten a line? Um, well, you just sort of keep going. No one knows. Like, it's not like you go, oh, sorry, I just want to fucking go back a bit. I just forgot that bit. Yeah. Um, no one's going to know. If you've missed a line or a part of it, if it's a pretty, you know, chunky bit or whatever, like, no one knows. If you, It's annoying. It's friggin', it's really fucking annoying. And you're like, oh, I forgot that bit. Oh, well, yeah. never mind. Um, there's that sort of thing where it's kind of, Yeah. You might flub a word or something, but no one cares about it. You care more about that than anybody else does. 
No yeah, one's going to remember that. Yeah, no. Yeah. I find in presentations, I'll say to my client, for example, if you if you miss something, just keep going. But if you find what you've missed is an, is an important point, it's okay to stop and go back to make that point. But that's obviously a very yeah, dis- but, uh, but, different scenario to comedy. <clears throat> yeah, not really in comedy. I mean, if you're hosting, I guess, if you're hosted in the first block and then in the second block, if you're reopening the second half or something, you can come out and go, you know what, actually, I forgot to mention this, blah, 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 and you could probably do the do it then sort of thing but if you're doing an actual set you wouldn't you wouldn't stop it but that's something also like i just said circling back to what i talked about previously, <laughs> um you know about the presentation skills stuff like that again is the same stuff that i got from those courses was the same thing where they're like audiences everywhere won't know that you've stuffed up at least you've told them and audiences most of the time won't know that you're nervous unless you tell them Mm. Uh, and also then unless your, you know, your nonverbal messages are then giving you away, if you're fidgeting or picking or, or you know, playing with a mic cord or not maintaining eye contact or you're looking down at the ground and all of those nonverbals that sort of give you away, mm. um, there's all of that there. Yeah, so it's just it's up to you to sort of be that wall, you know. And yeah. hide it, push it down, push it down. <laughs> Conceal, don't feel. That's the. F- yeah, I've been watching right. Frozen. Too much Frozen. Yeah, the that's it. Have you had that anyone write it's... content for you, right? And then you've yeah. tried to do that in stand up. Do you find that you could deliver anybody else's content the same way or material the same way you do your own? When I was, when I was. Uh, when I was hosting a show on Foxtel called Stand Up Australia, it got to a point where I needed to get the help from a couple of different people because we did. We ended up doing about 120 episodes and I was kind of burnt out and it was just being another guy writing every week, trying to come up with eight to ten minutes of material every week for the show Oof. and that was just sort of really hard to do. And so, we, yeah, we did reach out to a few other comedians and tried to get them to help us write material. Mm. And, um, yeah, it felt weird. It felt foreign. It felt like wearing someone else's shoes and it was kind of strange and um, because it wasn't like just, you know, like on the project they've got a team of writers that write stuff and they might grab a line or two here and slip it in, you know, like Hellier mm. will say something that one person wrote or something um, and they'll just slip in a line. Whereas I was like writing, I was like saying full bits that yeah. weren't really mine. Yeah. And that was, that was, that was kind of strange. Yeah. Um, but that's the, sort of the only time it's, it, it's felt that way. Whenever I've, like, presented or hosted shows or whatever, um, sometimes there's some things that they kind of make you say, well, that's in the script that I'm like, yeah. I wouldn't talk like this. And they're like, well, yeah, this isn't for you. This is for them. Who's Did it affect it. your so performance just, of it? Well, I just feel like sometimes some of the stuff in, you know, like on when you do free-to-air presenting and stuff, it, is, it can be a little... Um, saccharin or it's a, a, a little, I don't know. I'm nodding, but I don't know what that word means. I well, might just, just quickly just Google it on the... Can, <laughs> it can be a bit, it's just kind of really basic and safe and sweet and and uh, I did, sometimes I felt like it wasn't really genuine, I guess. There's just a real art to writing scripts for, for TV and they know what they're doing and you just sort of say it. So it's like it doesn't really matter that who I am or whatever here. So, 
yeah, I'm not a big fan, to be perfectly yeah. honest. You know, it's funny because I find with, with some of the people that I train in presentation um, presentation skills or whatever, I've forgotten the name of my own course, but one of the things I noticed is that if the presentation has is being developed on behalf of the speaker, the speaker never does it as well as when the speaker has written their own content. Yeah, cool. It's so I feel like that's kind of true. And I yeah. say to them, well, you you know just sort of get involved. Get involved early, at least in, you know, marketing might have stuff they want to talk about specifically or messages that they want you to land. That's fine, yeah. but I feel like the person who's doing the speaking needs to at least own the story, the package, yeah. you know, and the, and, and, the, and the journey in which they tell that story. Otherwise, it just seems contrived. The person just doesn't well, seem as comfortable. Well, then a lot of the time too with those presentations as well, particularly if they're doing numbers, it's really yeah. boring and they're just showing graphs and then just running through data mm. and they don't care. You know, so there's no real, they can't really add any flair or any sense of personality to that as well, which is kind of difficult and, and disappointing for them, I guess. Um, but, yeah, I think most people need to sort of apply their own personality to these things. And, look, they let you apply your personality when you're presenting and hosting TV shows as well, but the scripts, you know, you, don't, you very rarely sort of stray from the path, so to speak. You know, yeah. so that in a sense sort of sometimes makes you present in a way that is really straight and, and, mm. and that can be sort of limiting at times when you're, at, you're playing that straight guy in a nice outfit looking it's nice not in your makeup. And, well, just you just engaging. kind of, You've it's not and I don't feel, yeah, and I just sort of don't feel genuine when I'm doing that sort of stuff, you know. So people are like, why do you do it? And I'm like, money, that's why. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking idiot. <laughs> Why else would I be here, man? Yeah. Why did so you how many how many more quarantines got left to, to do? Well, you just keep going. Like it's like I I I think I I don't know if this is ever gonna end, man. I don't know even if we ever come out of isolation, I'm still gonna be doing them. Because I, they, people keep hitting me up. So I don't mind. I'll keep doing it as long as people keep asking for them. I don't, I don't mind it. It's fun to do. Um, so I, I don't know. That is a, that's a question I can't answer you. Well, there's, ma- there's a massive amount. I'll huh? be tuning in. Thank you very much. There are a lot that's of fun great. to watch. Yeah. Well, I'm glad. Yeah, they're fun to do. I loved your Bohemian Rhapsody and your teeth falling out. Killed me. That was hilarious. There's always some stupid thing that happens to me like that that I'm like, this is perfect. You can't script that. You can't write that. You didn't script Um, that? Honestly. No. Between me, you and the listeners. fell out. My teeth fell out of my mouth while I was singing uh, and it was like that is the best thing that could have happened. (laughs) And I just kept going. (laughs) And and to be clear, back at that. to be clear for everybody listening, Cam doesn't wear false teeth. They were props. Yeah, I had but, a prop pair of teeth in. They're my kids. They were my kids' prop teeth, rubber teeth. So it made me look like Freddie Mercury singing Bohemian Rhapsody. They were. And in that huge moment, 
Mama, ooh, they just fell out. That was excellent. That was, you, you can't write that shit. You know, it took me stuff. back on my honeymoon. I was on a, we went on a boat trip or something, and there was the, the guy who was on the boat with us, our tour guide, and he did something his and then he cracked up and his teeth went <laughs> flying, the full top oh, set brilliant. went flying off That's the so boat good. into the water, and he had to dive after them. It was so funny for us. A mate of mine was doing a gig. A mate of mine was doing a gig one time, and this woman laughed so hard her glass eye fell out of her head. Cam, stop <laughs> it! That's not true. Is that yeah, true? They had to stop it. He had to stop the show and try and help her find her glass eye. Cam, are you freaking kidding me now? Uh, I'm, not, I'm not shitting you. That's brilliant. <gasps> Did you so see this good. happening? No, 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 no. Others did though. Other comics did. It's very good. It's oh good quality. That That's is what gold. you want. That is totally what mm. you want, except in a, in a corporate scenario. Let's hope. So the things that we want to make oh, yeah. sure people learn is don't take drugs and don't drink too much alcohol before presenting. And someone losing well, an told, eye I isn't a good that. thing. Yeah, no, someone losing. It's all fun <laughs> and games until it's still fun and games if someone loses an eye. That's for sure. Um, but definitely don't get inebriated. Yeah. I mean, I've been sober for three years, so, I mean, you know, but. Uh, I said to you guys, if you need to have a drink, have a drink. I think if you need to do, if you need to do something that normally would settle your nerves, go and do that. But don't take it too fast, so you get messy. Because um, I, I mean, I've been, I've been absolutely shit faced on stage. Um, but it, after a while, I was kind of like, oh, it was. I tried to limit it to just a couple before I went on, just a couple of beers, and then go on. Um, and then after the gig, it went to crazy land but it was kind of now i'm just i don't even think about it so do whatever you need to do i'm not going to preach to people but i i find now performing sober is way better for me personally good on you three years here's to many many more yeah thank you so much for joining me during your isolation time i've taken you away from your from your music and from Netflix. Away. No, I'm having a night off. I'm, I've, everyone can enjoy my bloopers tonight. There's just me hating on myself and the bloopers, which is far more entertaining. It gives me like my voice a break. I've got my boys here, so they can't. Uh, I don't want to wake them up. So, yeah, it's just me and Netflix tonight. Man, how much has Netflix just been a saviour? Oh, I just finished Tiger King. Uh, I just finished Tiger King last night. Before that, was watching Ozarks. Um, I don't know what I'm going to watch tonight. I've got to have a look and see. I'm not sure. Have I you watched watch The Good Place? Weird Polish. Yeah, it's great. Did you like it? Um, yeah, it's good. It's good writing. It's really good writing. Mm. Um, I uh, I think I'm going to watch a weird Polish crime thriller called The Maya tonight just for something different. So there you go. Okay. Well, let me know how it goes. I will. I will. Thank you. Thanks so much, Cam. <laughs> Have a good no worries, one. Mate. Happy isolation life. You too. Take care. Happy iso life. <laughs> and that's Comic Book for this week. If you'd like to join the show, suggest a topic or ask me a question, hit me up on Instagram at Maria or Daggle or email me, comicalpodcast at gmail.com. Thanks so much for listening. See ya.